Whatever you have on your heart tonight, amen. Clap your hands as he comes to this pulpit. God bless you. Why don't we give a hand clap unto the Lord right now? Come on, why don't we give God some praise just for a couple moments? I know it's a Tuesday night, but I know I feel the spirit of the Lord in this building. Come on, am I, I know I'm in a Pentecostal apostolic church right now. Why don't we worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords for just a couple moments longer? He is worthy of all the praise. He is worthy of all the praise. Hallelujah, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. We praise you, Jesus. You're worthy, God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. You may be seated for just a moment. I'm so happy to be here in Bakersfield uh, in this church. Amen. I'm thankful uh, for uh, the leadership of this church and the opportunity to be here. Uh, thank you to brother, pastor and sister Bradford, bishop and sister Frost, and the leadership of this church. You guys are a blessed church with the leadership that you have. How many are know that you are blessed? Can we give them a hand clap right now? Amen. Amen. I give honor to my pastor, uh, Pastor Young, Miles Young, and Bishop Wilson um, for everything they have put into me. Uh, I would not be here today without them. And I give honor to this church, First Pentecostal Church of Greater Bakersfield. I know a lot of faces in this room, and there's a lot of faces I do not know. And uh, we look forward, my wife and I, uh, Sister Samantha, we look forward to getting to know uh, more of you that are here. Uh, but I'm just, I feel at home today. I feel at home. I feel the presence of the Lord in this place. I feel the Holy Ghost. I feel liberty in the house of the Lord today. And I know that God wants to do something great in this place. He gave me a word today, and I feel like God's going to do something. If you need a miracle, you can receive your miracle tonight. And in this place, we sang about it, but how many believe that you can receive? If you believe it, why don't you stand to your feet one more time and give a hand clap unto the Lord of Lords right now. Oh, if you came to this house today needing something from the Lord, you can receive it today in this place. There's miracles in the house of the Lord. There's freedom in the house of the Lord. When we're in his presence, nothing can stop us. Hallelujah. Amen. You can remain standing. We're going to go to the word of the Lord today in Genesis chapter 11. And we're going to read one verse of scripture. Genesis chapter 11 and verse 1. And then we will also go to Matthew chapter 6 and read verses 9 through 10. But we'll start with Genesis 11, chapter 11, and verse 1. Again, it feels good in the house of the Lord, and I'm excited to be here. And I feel like the Lord is going to move even more in this place. Amen. Genesis chapter 11 and verse 1, the Bible says, And the whole earth was of one language and of one speech. Of one, of one language and of one speech. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9 through 10, the Bible says, and these are the words of Jesus, and he is teaching those, uh, those followers on how to pray correctly. And he says, after this manner, therefore pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Amen. And tonight, for just a few moments longer, I want to share my burden. I want to share what I feel like God has called my wife and I to do in this earth and in this kingdom of his, as well as what I feel like he's calling every single soul that is in this room to do as well 
Every person that is under the sound of my voice tonight, you are called. You have a purpose. And God is calling you to step in and do something. Like Pastor Bradford said, it takes every single one of us to do something for the kingdom and to facilitate revival. So just for a few moments longer, I want to preach tonight and share my burden on this subject, kingdom culture. Kingdom culture. Why don't you put your Bibles down and lift up your hands and your voices one more time to the King of kings and Lord of lords and ask him to have his way in this service tonight. God, I pray right now in your name, Jesus, I pray that you would move in this congregation, oh Lord, that you would anoint my lips of clay to preach your word, share my burden that's on my heart, God, that you have placed there, God. Anoint our ears to hear, oh Lord. Anoint our hearts to embrace your word tonight, Jesus, and anoint our minds to understand what you're trying to tell us today, Jesus. Jesus, and we give you all the glory, we give you all the praise, and your mighty name, Jesus, we pray, amen. Why don't we give a hand clap unto the Lord one more time? <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. We live in a world today that takes pride in the fact that there are many cultures, and there are many languages, and there are many different ethnicities and, and different customs uh, and languages in our world. On an anthropologic level, I would say that diversity is necessary. And it is something to be desired to benefit societies in many different ways. We want, we want diversity in our workplaces. We want diversity in our schools. We want diversity to help bring in different perspectives and help us see things in different ways because we understand that not everybody is, is perfect in their own ways. And even the church has uh, recognized the necessity to have diversity. We can all learn from different principles and characteristics from different cultures. I believe that every church should reflect the city that it is established and planted in. We should strive to reach every culture, every community. If we need to speak bilingual, if we need to find an interpreter to help us reach a community that we don't know the language to, we need to find an interpreter to help us reach that community. We need to reflect the city that God has put us in. Amen. I believe it, and I believe it's biblical. We are called to reach all nations, all ethnicities, but... The Bible does not speak of the church in the context of this following word. It does not talk about the church as multicultural. It does not. The church is not multicultural, but is multi-ethnic. There was a time in the Bible where there was no diversity. In Genesis 11, we read that the world, the world was of one language and one speech. And to the untrained eye or someone who's just in a hurry to get their Bible reading done really quickly in their day, they may find this redundant. But it is rather a terminology used to express that the world, it was not only, they did not only speak one language, but they were of one culture as well. Their speech was as one. I feel like there's always a new word among the Gen Zs or the younger ones, and, and, and they may pop up with a word, and I'm like, what does that even mean? But it's because of their speech. It's because of a culture, and there are words that I don't understand or, or, or phrases that I don't understand from the generation uh, above me. This is referring to their culture, to their speech, how they interacted with one another. They were all of one language, but they also were of one culture, 
And this was so powerful that their one language and their one culture helped unify them to revolt against God and to exalt themselves in their efforts to build the Tower of Babel. And in their efforts, and in doing so, and in their unity of one language and one speech, God stepped down from the earth and he looked down and he divided them and he established different languages. Ethnicities and different cultures eventually were formed because of sin. We must remember that. A lesson to be learned here is that a language and culture helps the kingdom advance. Amen. And we'll touch on that a little bit more later, but the language and culture helps a nation, a kingdom, advance forward and be in unity. Our primary text in Matthew chapter 6 says that when we pray, we should begin to pray, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, where? On earth, as it is in heaven. Amen. You and I should always be praying and seeking God's kingdom and will for our lives. It is only but a few verses later of that very same chapter that Jesus stands up and declares, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness. Amen. It is because of what happened in Genesis chapter 11 at the Tower of Babel that you and I must pray this prayer and ask God to bring his kingdom from the heavens down to this earth. And we must ask God to bring his desires and establish them in our heart, his culture, and his authority in our world. In heaven, there is no sin. In heaven, there is no pain. In heaven, there is no doubt. There's no worry. There's no stress. There's no anxiety. So why wouldn't we want to pray this prayer? Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So there is this real and tangible concept of a heavenly kingdom coming down to the earth. And by doing so, God's kingdom is established down here on this earth as it is in the heaven. This means that there is also a real and heavenly culture that is coming down to this earth. And when I say coming down, I don't mean just softly floating out of the sky like a, like a pillow or feather that's just kind of falling from the heavens. But when we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, the kingdom culture is going to clash with the cultures of this world that will operate by sinful thinking and earthly thinking. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. It's not a cute prayer that asks God to just kind of get his attention and say, okay, God, uh, today is, it, it's, it's, it's right before bedtime. I'm trying to get your attention. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. No, it's not a cute prayer to get the attention of God. But what we really are praying when we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, is we're declaring war on the cultures of this world and on the sin of this world and the carnality that has got this world bound. We're praying, God, I need the glory of your kingdom to come to this place. I declare war on sin. I declare war on the enemy. I declare war on infirmities and sickness and spirits of this world. <laughs> Hallelujah. I feel the Holy Ghost tonight. Can I get somebody just to give some praise to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords right now? If you need a miracle tonight, the Lord can come and meet you in this place. Oh, hallelujah. It declares war. You may be seated against hell. It declares war against the flesh. It declares war against ideologies, false teachings, and heresies. Paul describes the difference between the flesh and spirit and the natures of the two in Galatians chapter 5. In Galatians chapter 5 
and verse 19, or yeah, verse 19, and uh, through verses 23, Paul writes to the church, and he says, Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murderers, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Of the which I tell you before, as I've also told you in times past. This is something that he preached about and taught about frequently. This is not something that he just felt to write, but he's reminding them of a culture that they came from. And such like of the which I tell you before, as I've also told you in times past, as, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. These are the cultural elements of sin. Living in sin will, not only, will only manifest such things. When you are bound by sin in this flesh and carnality, these are the things that come out of it. They manifest these things. You may not even be able to help it, but they think these things do come to pass. The kingdoms of this world and, and all their hopes and, and all their hopes to benefit societies. It seems like there's always a new answer to a new problem or something they tried 20 years ago. They, they come up with a new solution to try to, in this time and in this place. And it seems like it's this repeated cycle of trying to fix things and fix brokenness and fix uh, pain and fix heartache and, and fix society. But let me tell you, nothing, nothing that, that this world offers to fix these solutions are going to fix it 100%. These are the cultural elements of the kingdom of sin. But there also are some cultural elements of God's kingdom. These are cultural elements here. Uh, the Bible says uh, in, in the very next couple verses, in the same chapter, Paul wrote about those things, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, and so forth. But he reminds them once more, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, it's joy, it's peace, it's long-suffering, it's gentleness, it's goodness, it's faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. These are the cultural elements of God's kingdom. Receiving the Holy Ghost is not just receiving power to be a witness. It's a part of it, and we do receive it. And I do believe that when you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, as it says in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, that you do receive power to be a witness to all nations. It wasn't just to Jerusalem, but it was to Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts, uttermost parts of the earth. And Paul also wrote to the church at Corinth in 2 Corinthians Chapter 5 and verse 17, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. When you used to be bitter, now you can love people. When you couldn't fall asleep at night, now you have the peace. When you used to have anger issues, now you have patience. Come on, am I preaching to somebody today? When you used to treat everyone harshly, now you have a gentle spirit. When you always were negative and critical and talking down the man of God. Now you live with faith and with power and trust in the things of God's kingdom. Amen. Can I get a witness tonight? Are there some people who know what the fruit of the spirit are? Hallelujah. Amen. You may be seated. And let me stop right here for a moment and talk to somebody who's never experienced anything from this culture or this kingdom. If you have not yet received your official citizenship to God's kingdom and joined the winning side of that war between flesh and spirit, if you want to be a part of God's kingdom, John chapter 3 and verse 5 
Jesus told Nicodemus, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto you, ye must be born again. Don't be confused. Don't be confused. You must be born again. And the easiest way to gain citizenship to a country is simply to be born in that country. You have this opportunity to be born again today. You have an opportunity to become a citizen, a part of God's kingdom. And you may be wondering, why, how, how must I be born again? Nicodemus asked Jesus, he said, must I re-enter into my mother's womb? And Jesus said, don't be confused. And Peter, the man with the keys to the kingdom of God that was given to him in Matthew chapter 16. He stands up in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost after Jesus had already ascended to the heavens and he declared unto them the same people, those people that were there in Acts chapter 2, they asked Peter almost the same question that Nicodemus did in the same context. They said, what shall we do? And Peter stands up and he declares, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Hallelujah. This is the new birth experience. Baptism but in the waters of baptism in the, by, with covering of the name of Jesus on your life. And being born again of water and receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost is being born again of the Spirit. You'll become a new creature. Amen. You'll receive your citizenship to the kingdom of heaven. Amen. But the amazing thing about becoming a part of God's kingdom is that you get to participate others. You get to participate in helping others become a part of the kingdom as well. It's not just for me. It's not just for my wife. It's not just for this church or the leadership of this church. But it is for all nations. The promise is unto you. It's unto your children. It's to all those who are a fall off. And many as the Lord our God shall call. In Isaiah chapter 9, I'm a Bible preacher. I'm sorry, I know I'm reading a lot of scripture. But, but it's, I know it's a Tuesday night Bible study. So we're getting Bible study tonight. Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 7. The prophet Isaiah declared of the increase of his government. And his peace, there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. And this is what got me. The seal of the Lord of hosts will perform it. He will perform it. The king of kings, his kingdom or his government shall continue to increase. How? The seal of the Lord will perform it. Can I challenge the church today? If you've been born again of water and of spirit, can I challenge you today? Can you, are you zealous enough to increase the borders of God's kingdom? Are you zealous enough to increase and reach into a lost and dying world? Are you zealous enough to reach into a neighborhood you never stepped foot into before and reach a lost soul that is dying and going straight to hell? The zeal of the Lord will perform it. Are you zealous enough? Are you willing to say yes, Pastor Bradford? Are you willing to say yes and reach into a world that is dying and lost and broken with the things of this, the culture of the sin and carnality? Are you zealous? Are you willing to put on the whole armor of God and go to war and battle on the spiritual front lines to reach and pull another soul out of hell 
as much as the kingdom of heaven as a godly and beautiful culture created by God's beautiful spirit, his holy spirit, and his word. This world has its own culture of sin and perversion and strongholds, and it's creating traps for humanity, and it's reaching in, and it's trying to take every soul to hell that it can. It is a battle between flesh and spirit. And now that I have laid this foundation and we have this understanding that God's kingdom and his culture clashes with the cultures of sin and there is war of flesh and spirit, I want to remind the church today about some cultural characteristics that we must strive to preserve and maintain in order to fulfill our mission to reach this world. If we lose these elements, if we lose these, this heritage, as Bishop Frost told me, I was complimenting this church in and, and, and the back, and I was saying this is a, a beautiful building I never got to see back there before, and he told me it's a heritage. If we do not if we do not try to preserve and maintain the heritage of the kingdom culture that God has given us, we will fail in our mission to reach this world. They're not looking for another drug. They're not looking for another movie. They're not looking for another, they're not another drink or of alcohol, but they're looking for something different. They're looking for something that has kind of come into the world and clash with the things that they've already been struggling with and living with. The answer to this thing is Jesus Christ and his kingdom. And his world. Amen. And so for the first element I want to talk about, the first characteristic is we must remember that there is one kingdom culture. There is one kingdom culture. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verses 4 through 6, the Bible says that there is one body and one spirit. Even as ye are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all, who is through all, and in you all. Let me say it like this. There is one kingdom with one king, amen, with one family, amen. He is our God. He is our Father. He is above all. He's through all. He's in every single one of us. If you are a part of God's kingdom, you have his spirit, and he is in you. Amen. And the only way we get a part of that kingdom is through one baptism of his spirit, which is one. He is our king of kings. And because we have his spirit, he's able to govern our lives through revelations found in his word. He is also our Lord of lords. He's not just our king. He's not just at the top. But he's also our Lord, and he's willing to come. Uh, the, the Bible word is, is a paraclete. He's willing to come alongside you and help you and comfort you. He is, he's willing to help govern your mind and your thoughts. And when you used to want to drink alcohol, now you don't even have the desire to. When you used to want to smoke a cigarette, now you don't have the desire because he's your Lord now. And he's governing you. In Bible days and back in the medieval days, uh, even past that, there used to be a king and then lords. There used to be the lords that would govern the land because it, it got too big where the king couldn't do it by himself. But I'm thankful to know that we have one lord, okay, and we have one king, and he's also our lord, and he's helping us do it. We're not by ourselves in this kingdom of his. Amen. And the advancement of his kingdom on this earth is accomplished by his one body, which is the church, working in tandem with and operating by his spirit and the gifts of his spirit. The body brings action to what the spirit desireth to do. God designed us this way. We are made in his image. Body, soul, and spirit. 
The church brings action to what the spirit desireth to do in the earth. That's why we do pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But when we pray that, we must not forget that when we pray that, we're asking God, show us the way. I need your, 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 your direction here, God, because I know when I pray that, I'm not expecting you to come down from the heavens and do it on your own. But I'm praying for you to give me wisdom and vision and understanding where to take the borders of your kingdom and where to expand to because I am a part of your body and I need the strength to keep doing what you've called me to do there is one culture there is one body and all of this creates a culture within the apostolic church what I just read to you in Ephesians I see it like this those that's like the skeleton or a tree that's like the tree all the things the roots Jesus as the roots and his word as the roots and the foundation. And, and you and I are like the body of that tree. And if we want to bear fruit of the, the spirit, you and I must be connected to the roots. And we must be connected to his word and to his spirit. We are called to bear the fruit of his spirit, love, joy, peace. But we must not get disconnected from his body and get disconnected from his word and his truth. And... The next, moving quickly, the next characteristic is holiness. The Apostle Peter described it in this way. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 through 10. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in times past were not a people, but now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. When you are adopted into his culture, into kingdom culture, we are separate. We are separated from this world of sin. We are separated from our past culture of sin and carnalities so that we can rise up as God's people and do what he has called us to do. I have some photos that I want to show us today. If they would put the first one up on the on the screen. What's the I'll get to that one actually at the end. If if you could go to the next one, please. <clears throat> the next one, please. I'm sorry. You're getting ahead of me. <laughs> okay, here we go. We talked about one body, one kingdom. This right here is the church in Chinandega. So my wife and I, God has has, has been moving in, in Nicaragua. We live in Matagalpa. It's a city two hours north of Managua, which is the capital and where the airport is at. Matagalpa is where the door opened up, and that's where we went in January of this year. And there we have a church. But in April, in April, just this year, God opened up another door in the city called Chinandega, and it is on the west coast. It is about three hours from Matagalpa by car. And God opened up a door, and we went and we met a man that was saved. We met a man that was Born again of water and of spirit in Arkansas on a work visa at First Pentecostal Church in North Little Rock. And he was there on a visa. He got born again. He got saved. His family lives there, goes to church there. And he got put back into Nicaragua after his visa had ended. And he was searching for an apostolic church. He told me, I cannot find something that feels like FPC North Little Rock. I can't find something that feels like the culture of that church. I can't find something that feels right. And I went and met with him finally in April. And we, had, we went and sat for lunch, and God opened up the door on that very same night that we went there. The door opened up, and we had church in this little garage. 
And there was, that's about 20 so people, and, and consistently we've been having about 20. But there's been times where we pack that thing out, and we have about 40 people that will show up on a Friday night, and we'll have church. And I'll tell you, the Holy Ghost moves in that building. Amen. So this is what the body looks like in Nicaragua and Chinandega. You can go to the next slide. This right here. If you cock your head sideways, you'll see it, is the body in Matagapa. This is Matagapa. God has allowed us to step foot and use this building. And my wife and I, we wanted to do a kid's service. And in July of this year, we held a Sunday school super culto, kids' church. And we made 100 invitations, me and my wife. And we had some people from Sacramento. Uh, they were visiting family in Honduras. And they, they made the, the trip over for the weekend. And they helped us from, from uh, the Rock Church in, in Sacramento, some friends of ours. And they helped us. And we passed out 100 invitations. And we showed up on a Sunday not knowing what to expect. We just went out and gave invitations out. And we had 70 people show up to church on a Sunday night. Two people filled with a gift of the Holy Ghost in a kid's church. My wife taught about Acts 2.38 with an interpreter. And the Holy Ghost began to move when we had altar call. And two people received the gift of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And that one weekend in Chinandega and in Matagapa from Friday and Sunday, we had over 110 people in our services between the two. I'm telling you, God is moving right now. He's, he's the same thing that's happening here and in Sacramento and across this nation. And the revival that's taking place, it's moving and it's happening all over this world. That is what the body looks like in Nicaragua. Amen. And so we must preserve these cultural elements. We must preserve the fact that there is one body. We must preserve holiness. We can't get away from it. The moment we begin to slip and lose our holiness, the moment we just begin to blend in with society, and we begin to lose the, the salt of this earth, and we begin to, to lose the, the authenticness of our culture. The next cultural element, prayer and fasting. Matthew chapter 21 and verse 13, Jesus said unto them, it is written, my house shall be called the house of prayer. But ye have made it a den of thieves. In Matthew chapter 17 and verse 21, he said, how be it, this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. God's church should never fall astray from being a prayerful church. The prayers of the saints of God attract the attention of the king of kings. And there is a holy communion that is happening. And it's connecting us to his spirit. Amen. You can go back to that photo with the woman that was lifting up her arm. I want to show that photo. This woman, her name is Sister Maria. She is one of our oldest saints in the church in Matagapa. But she is also one of our most faithful saints in the church. And she brings even when her own children can't come to church, she'll bring her grandkids every service faithfully to the house of God. And every Tuesday night we have prayer. We have church Sunday night at 6 p.m. Matagapa, uh, 6, 7 p.m. Uh, for prayer on Tuesday night and 7 p.m. for Bible study and leadership on Wednesday nights. And she shows up to every service. And one Tuesday night she showed up to prayer. And she, she I didn't know this until after, but she, she was having pain in her arm, her elbow, her right arm for about three days straight. And she was in so much pain, she almost didn't come to church or come to prayer meeting. And her daughter told her, Mom, I just failed to tell you, you need to go. Let's go. Let's get to the house of God. And so she shows up, and we begin to pray, and we start prayer, 7.15, and we're just praying. We got music going, lights low, and, and we're praying. And I remember for some reason, 
on that, on that Tuesday night, I just had a burden really heavy on my heart for miracles. And I was praying out loud, God, I want to see miracles. Yo quiero ver milagros. I was just saying, God, I want to see it. I want to see it in this city, in este ciudad. I want to see it in this neighborhood, in este barrio. And I was just praying in Spanish. And I was just, just kind of declaring it out to God. God, I want to see the miraculous. I want to see your kingdom come. I want to see it happen, not only in Sacramento and in Bakersfield and in Rosarito, Mexico and, and, and in Honduras, but I want to see it happen in Nicaragua. And as I was praying, it started getting a little louder, and everybody started getting loud, and the Holy Ghost began to move. And at the end of prayer meeting, she comes up to me. She says, Pastor, i got to tell you something. I said, what's going on, Sister Maria? She said, while you were praying, I heard you praying about miracles, so I just began to pray with you. And she said, and the moment we started praying, she said, I felt something in my right arm. She goes, and she told me about the pain. She goes, but right now there's no pain. And she began to move it. She began to, and then she lifted it up. And I took a photo of her lifting her right arm as a sign that the Holy Ghost moved on her. And a miracle happened in the middle of prayer meeting. <laughs> thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. There's no pain in heaven. There's no pain on earth now. There's miracles that are happening. Amen. Prayer is powerful. And we should not lose it. And we should not stop. We should be here at 7 p.m. for prayer on a Tuesday night. We may have a long day at work, but if you can get here, you never know what can happen in a prayer meeting. Amen. And praise and worship also should be a part of our culture and our heritage. In Acts chapter 16, you'll find Paul and Silas bound in a prison cell. And they prayed and sang praises to their Lord. And, and God heard their voices. And he, they got the attention of their God. And he set them free. But also saving the jailer as well. There is power in our praise and in our worship. It gets God's attention. He dwells in the praises of his people. Psalms 22 and 3 says, But thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. Amen. When we begin to praise and worship, he begins to move. I heard this story one time. This young man, I don't even know where I heard it from, but a young, young man showed up late to church, and he showed up right when the preaching started. He showed up right when the preaching started. And he told his pastor, he said, Pastor, I'm sorry, I'm late. I'm sorry, I'm late. You know, I, I ran in school, ran late or something, showed up late. And he said, but I got here for the best part of the service, preaching. And his pastor looked at him. And kind of rebuked him and said, no, you didn't show up to the best part of service. Because you showed up to the part of service where God gives something to you. But you missed the whole part of service where we give something to God. And our praise and our worship. We, you, when you miss praise and worship and song service, you're missing the moment where you have your opportunity to enter into his courts with thanksgiving. And with praise and begin to attract your king of kings and get his attention. Praise and worship is still important. We need to praise and worship. Our God. There is a photo and video or something of, of, of I believe it's a video of, of some song service. Right here. And it's okay, but you see these people. This is Chinondega. This was a couple weeks ago. And they were praising and they were worshiping God. And they had, they had a soundtrack going. I played piano and I wasn't there. And, and, and this was a couple Fridays ago. But we were not there. My wife and I were traveling back to Sacramento. We had some things to do, some doctor's appointments. And we were traveling. And they still got together and had church and played a little speaker. And they began to praise. And they began to worship their king of kings and lord of lords. And God began to move in that service. 
This is not about Chad and Sammy Scott. This is not about the Rock Church in Sacramento. This is not about this church here. This is about his kingdom and his culture. I don't want the glory. To God be the glory. If they can show up and have church, they'll show up and have church. Or, this is not about us, but this is about his kingdom and his culture. And God has opened up the door for the man that helped us start that church in China. You may be seated in Chinandega, to step into a role of leadership. And he's been teaching Bible studies. Every Friday night that we can't be there, he's been teaching the Bible studies. And he's been reaching. And another man in the church, they've been going out and they've been picking up people to bring to church. And there's 40 people that will show up in Chinandega in that little garage. Even when we can't be there. Because they bought into the kingdom culture. They bought into something that is not just about you and I, but it's about the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and what he wants to do in this earth. Amen. I'm coming to the close to a close if the music, musicians want to come. The New Testament began with John the Baptist preaching repentance. Why? Why did John preach repentance? He would often say because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's coming. When Jesus appeared after being baptized by John and the spirit came down like a dove, Jesus began to teach. He began to declare he began to perform miracles and signs and wonders. Why? Because the kingdom was coming. It was at hand. He was ushering in this new age or dispensation that was to take place as there was going to be a shift that allowed all people, all nations, all tongues and languages to become a part of this kingdom culture. Remember in Genesis chapter 11, sin caused the Lord to divide the world by, language, by languages which created different cultures and ethnicities to form. But in Acts chapter 2, he redeems such by ushering in this beautiful kingdom culture known as the church. In Acts chapter 2 and 1 and 4, the Bible says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord and in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire. And it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. I know it's not by chance that they were all in one accord. They were unified. And they began to speak one language, a heavenly language. The church was God's design to redeem humanity and bring humanity back to a place of unity. And where, they, where everyone speaks one spiritual language, a heavenly language. In Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit was poured out on the lives of those in the upper room. And the official culture of the kingdom had now been introduced into the life of humanity or mankind. A new dispensation of grace had begun and the door to the kingdom of heaven the culture of God was first opened up to the Jews in Jerusalem and then to Samaria, the Samaritans in Acts 8, and then to the Gentiles in the house of Cornelius in Acts chapter 10. And if you want a Bible study on this, and if you want to know more about kingdom culture and how it entered into this world, I'm sure that there are some saints in this church that would be willing to open up the Bible and teach you a Bible study on how to become a part of this kingdom culture and become a citizen of the kingdom of God. The reason why I know that this is a new kingdom culture is because it continued. 
The reason why we know there are certain things of certain cultures is because they're repeated. They, they, they've established themselves as a cultural characteristic, a part of that language or that culture that they come from. The Bible says in Acts 2, verse 42 and verse 43, and they continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in the breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. Could we all stand to our feet tonight? And before you, someone gets all sideways and says that this, this isn't how it worked. This wasn't the works of Jesus himself in Acts chapter 2. This wasn't Jesus in Acts chapter 2. It was just Peter and, and just humanity. I thought we're talking about a kingdom culture. And these were just men. Mark chapter 16 records the words of Jesus as he prophesies about what happened in Acts chapter 2 and what would continue to happen in the world after he ascended. In Mark 16, chapter, uh, chapter 16, verse 15, he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe in my name shall they cast out devils they shall speak with new tongues they shall take up serpents and if they drink any deadly thing it shall not hurt them and they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover so then after the Lord has spoken unto them he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God these signs shall follow them that believe it wasn't just for Jesus to do on this earth he ushered it in John said the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The one that's coming is, is, I'm not worthy to unlatch his shoes because he was the one who was called to usher into the kingdom, his kingdom. He was our Lord, our Savior. He is our Lord and our Savior. But it wasn't just the works of Jesus. It was going to be what he would do afterwards through his body and his spirit. These signs shall follow them that believe. That last photo of Myself and the two gentlemen. Hallelujah. Brother Carlos is the man, uh, the man with the hat. Brother Carlos, he's the man that was baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost in Arkansas. And he was the one that allowed us to connect there in Chinandega and start the Rock Nicaragua in Chinandega. And the man in the middle is his dad. And his father does not go to our church reg regularly. They live in the countryside kind of difficult for them to get to church but he comes when he can and on a Saturday morning I was passing by the church the garage to pick up our music equipment and my wife wasn't with me but I quickly just wanted to pass by and get on the road and drive that long three hours back but he stopped me and he said pastor I gotta talk with you my, my dad he's he's sick from the knee down, he's swollen and his skin has turned purple and it's cutting off the circulation to his foot. And the doctors say if something doesn't happen soon that they may have to do a, a, some type of surgery, maybe even amputation. And so we prayed. Actually, that my wife was with me at this time and we prayed for him and we just laid hands on him and I can only speak Spanish so much and I just kept repeating, toca su cuerpo, touch his body. Because <laughs> I didn't know all the fancy vocabulary. So I'm just praying, God touch his body, took us a cuerpo, and we're praying. And it wasn't a strong, crazy, powerful, rushing, mighty wind type of experience. 
But we prayed with faith. We've seen it happen, and we knew God could do it. And so we prayed, and that was it. We grabbed the music stuff. We left. We went. I think our next trip was camp meeting. We went to Little Rock and went to camp meeting. And uh, we returned a couple weeks later. We hadn't heard nothing. And on a Saturday morning, this time I was by myself, and I was passing by again, just picking up the music equipment. And he showed up again with his dad. And Brother Carlos said, hey, I, we need to talk to you. And he said, my dad had another doctor's appointment this morning, and that's why he's in town. And he went to the doctors this morning, and there's no more pain. There's no more, there's no more purple. The swelling has gone down. They say they don't need to do surgery. When you prayed, and when you guys prayed, he said that same week, the pain began to go away. The skin color began to go back to normal, and God began to work on his body. I'm telling you, these signs shall follow them that believe. Those that believe in Bakersfield, California. Those that believe in Sacramento. Those that believe in Nicaragua. Those that believe in Mexico. These signs shall follow them that believe. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I think, I think that every person in this room has a, has, I believe that every person in this room has a part in God's kingdom. You have a calling. You have a purpose. God wants to use you as a vessel. God wants to use you as a vessel, and he wants you to, to be so full of his spirit. Uh, David said, my cup runneth over. He wants you to be so full of his spirit that it begins to run out of you and begins to flow into your school and begins to flow into your neighborhood and begins to flow into your workplace, and the kingdom culture is so heavy on you like the glory of God that it begins to affect your community. Amen. And tonight, I want to call anybody who's not a part of this culture to come down to these altars tonight and just repent like Peter said and begin to pray and seek the face of God and let him fill you with his spirit. If you don't have the Holy Ghost, these altars are open for you right now. If you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, these altars are open for you. And if you're a saint of God and you want a refreshing of his spirit and you want a strength of the strength of his spirit to refill your life, these altars are open for you. That's it, that's it. Why don't we lift up the name of Jesus right now? Why don't we lift up the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords right now? There's freedom in His presence. There's freedom in His presence. There's miracles that can take place tonight.
on, church. Move as close as you can up here. There's a lot of room up here. Praise God. Go on, lift up your hands. Lord, I praise you and thank you. Hallelujah. I want to lead into the culture of the kingdom of God. I want those blessings. Hallelujah. 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 together you know whenever revival breaks out there's always the enemy that comes in and tries to steal it when things start working especially sometimes even in new converts life things start happening and then all of a sudden there's family situations and thing goes upside down and, and that's a work of the enemy we need to be the kind that prays and says we're going to bind the strong man 
through the empowerment of prayer and fasting and worship. Praise God. I want you to lift up your voice. I don't want you to be intimidated. I don't want you to be quiet. But I want you to rear back and say, God, we're coming to you in power and authority. Hallelujah. The enemy is not going to snatch away a move of God. He's not going to snatch away revival. But we're going to trust in you and believe in you. 